All right. Yeah. Christian, <laughs> welcome to the Thoughts for Free podcast. Thank you for having Let's me on, Peter. So you come from the Falcher Refugee um, Society? Society, is it yeah. Because I, I looked it up online and I seen that it is actually like a nationwide... It's, yeah, it's like a Falcher Refugees. Like yeah. Because there's, there's societies in, in uh, UCD, UCC and stuff for all Falcher Refugees as well. Oh, uh, so, so it's, it's like a whole network. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, um, I know the UCC one used to be called STAR. Can't remember what it stood for. Just my friend, he, he started that up. But though they've changed the Falter Refugees, so that's like a there's a Falter Refugees like website as well. Yeah, like in yeah, yeah. Because well, yeah. yeah, I've looked into that, and um, so you're the you're the auditor for this auditor uh, of the, the NYG society. society. And sort of what does the not as the the whole network, but as as just the NYG society? What what would you kind of focus on, yeah. and what would you do? Um, trying to get students more involved and try and run it because they're all student run. Uh, just raising awareness about the mistreatment of asylum seekers in Galway and in Ireland as well. Um, but obviously we focused to try and work with the direct vision centres in Galway. Like last week we had a speaker in, we had a few speakers in from uh, direct vision centres. One of them was one from the one here in Galway. Uh, so yeah, we basically try and get students involved in that, raise awareness. And uh, this year, a lot of students have been very, very interested, yeah. And would you focus m um, uh, at all at the uh, political level? Would you go, you know, would you reach out to politicians in a way with like petitions or any well, kind of movements? Last two weeks ago, uh, we had a letter sign in, a letter writing to TDs, so we set up a stall beside Smokies, and we had a template of template of uh, letter to TDs, and people would come and they'd write their own address and sign it to TDs. Uh. So a lot of them went to ones in Galway. Uh, some people wrote it to their own ones at home. I know me and a few friends because we're from Clare, Ennis, so we wrote to TDs in Ennis as well. Um, so things like that, yeah. And then what would your kind of role be in the, or would you just focus on kind of everything or as an auditor or? Yeah, kind of everything. Like, kinda, yeah. um, like I spent, it was the summer I was just working, uh, just working like a job in a restaurant most of the summer. So yeah. I was like kind of planning during the summer little things to kind of do. Cause For last year, year kind of we, we had a bit of a slow year last year, but so I want to make sure, okay, this year we start off and try and get everything going. So uh, yeah, in terms of like uh, the running of events, we'd, you know, we'd all, we'd all chip in with ideas and then I'd be good at contacting uh, different hmm. groups. Very nice. And is that something you want to continue, maybe? You yeah. know, after, say after college, like? Yeah, no, definitely. To be honest, I came in to do a law degree and in second year I was like, like, I love doing law. I think it's really interesting, but I was like, what am I actually going to do with this degree? Like, as in, because there's so many different things to law. And then last year, in third year, I joined Fault Refugees, ended up running for treasurer. Once I got involved in that, I was like, Jesus, this is this You found the reason for doing Yeah, that. I was like, this is what I want to do now. Fair play. So, yeah. I want to touch on uh, the more kind of personal uh, level at the moment that yeah. we had through our emails. Because uh -huh. I want to bring up that um, when I was, uh, as someone that's like not very educated in this field, pretty much at all, like I'm, mm. I'm aware of the situation, but I'd say like many people don't, I don't know, you know, how sort of big, you know, this whole thing is and, yeah. and sort of what the problems are really, you know, I've, I've probably, I've volunteered in a few places, so I've kind of heard things and worked with refugee children as part of my, um, asylum seeking children yeah. as part of my course actually. But still, I, I wouldn't really know anything. So I went um, and reached out to you and sort of like, um, you know, you asked me what I wanted to talk about. 
and the thing that I and I just the, the terminology because I, mm -hmm. I found it kind of interesting because yeah. I I just without knowing I yeah. said that uh, I actually have the exact quote yeah. but I said I, I just would like to discuss the size of the refugee problem in Ireland yeah. and you seem to find like what, what what's yeah. the kind of I don't know how to phrase that yeah, but no, what, what's like the kind the of issue with saying like as a refugee or asylum seeker problem problem yeah kind of gives off the connotation like like they are the problem like as in like it it makes you think like oh it's a problem like it's a them problem we have a pro we have a problem with them whereas I think any problems that are pointed towards asylum seekers just shows like it's the government doing a good job of reflecting problems their own problems and putting on groups minority groups like asylum seekers I think a great example of this would be the housing crisis so huge houses housing crisis in Ireland um, I almost like to think of it more of a landlord crisis because I think that we have like Think of it as 200 to 250,000 empty properties around the country, mm. like you know, but landlords are allowed to hold on to these properties and keep them empty for as long as they want. So then you have people saying, "Oh, these refugees and asylum seekers are getting housing. Oh, like we should be taking care of our own." Mm. But like, if you took the hundreds of there was a couple hundred in Galway in both the direct provision centres, if you took them all out of the centres, and let's say, let's say what some people are trying to say, deport them, like that won't make any difference to the housing because these are just two direct provision centers which aren't even fit for humans to live in. Mm. So we have a home, like the homeless people aren't gonna like d disappear because two direct provision centers have been closed down. Like there's a problem with housing, but like the housing, like there, there's no correlation between mm. any of these problems. No, I wanna bring a f like uh, a question I got from the listeners actually. I, I usually do this at the end, but yeah. that actually you've touched on uh, one of the questions. The question is basically, is, is there a way for us to tend to a humanitarian crisis like the refugee asylum seeking crisis that we have at the moment, but also successfully reduce our homeless levels? Because you're kind of touching on yeah. that. So where is the kind of balance of, um, I suppose, the way I understand it, taking in more people and then sort of dealing with the homelessness that we have already? I suppose you kind of touched on that. I would say build so social housing. Yeah. I think social housing is a huge thing that should be like it should be top of the agenda of governments, whatever government we have now, whatever government we may have in six months' time. Like, so building social housing should be one of the main, the main things. Affordable housing, like houses that people can actually afford to live in, rather than building these luxury houses where only a few people are these uh, the sharing, the sharing apartments. A new idea that mm. that they came up with. Like, they, like you need to be working with people who have low level incomes who can afford then to actually rent houses rather than becoming homeless because they couldn't afford last week, last month's rent and they're getting evicted. So it seems it was a, a family who were evicted from a house like a year ago and they went back to, a year later, so just recently, they went back to check on that house and the house is empty. <laughs> so yeah. like, again, like, as in, that's not an asylum seeker's fault, that's yeah. a landlord's fault. So how would you phrase it then? Because I think, I, I do believe that the way you phrase things is quite important. Mm -hmm. I just wasn't yeah. educated on it. Um, but I wonder then, uh, do you have a problem with calling it because the refugee problem? Or what if you call it the refugee crisis? Is that different? Or yeah, is I think it still cr crisis, because like it is, because refugee problem, it's not, you know, they never started the problem, but a crisis, yeah, because like the crisis is what's happening like in places like Syria and places like, you know, mm. uh, like apartheid Africa, that's like that's a, cr a crisis. And uh, like, you know, LGBTQ rights in like Russia and countries like that in the Middle East. Uh, so like taking in them, like they're having cr like you know their crises are going on in these areas for them. 
So it, yeah, in a way, you could say it's an like a like it is a crisis, Fair. and we should be helping to alleviate the. Fair, I, I know where you're coming mm. from, yeah, and also like, you brought up a nice point of the like the landlord crisis, yeah. like, and it's sort of like it, it makes sense, and you can really associate that with refugees because like it isn't like if if you are a refugee, you know, you leave. It, like you're forced to leave the country yeah, yeah. so that's not not something you almost yeah. chose like you know there is some sort of if you really want to get on the technical side like yeah. there is some sort of a choice there because you did have to decide to leave but like yeah. th that choice is almost you know you yeah, have then, like, to go like <laughs> you know if you especially a lot of these people have children like and if you have a child the only thing in, the, in your head is safety of my child I need to get my child to have a better, have a better life so that's a, like a huge thing like um there is about children actually um is there um this is another question from actually uh the listener as well um is there like a scheme or a system in place to sort of make sure that children and are integrated into the irish society that you know mm -hmm. come from these other countries and you know in the school system mm -hmm. like what about like language barriers or is there like not and then you know, should be kind of put more emphasis on it. Like there are some schools that are like, it's either great to see very multicultural, uh, which is a great way to grow up. I know mm. the school, the primary school I went to, there was lots of different backgrounds. Uh, it was actually, it was great. Every, like you literally grew up just thinking, oh, just everybody's the same. Like, Fair. so it was great like that. But like a lot of kids, like, you know, they're living in the recreation center. Their, their room is basically like five, maybe their fa whole family, parents, two or three kids all in one room. So there's the whole like, oh, you know, like after school, you're like, oh, do you want to come over to my house? And they sort of have to hide like a part of their life because they'd be embarrassed from that. And uh, that's definitely something that would affect your growing up. What we, um, when I was working with asylum seeking children, what happened there was that um, when they were getting a bus to school, it would go pick them up from the center first mm -hmm. and then pick up all the other kids so that they don't know where they yeah, came from. Yeah, yeah. And also when we were planning events around like even bringing them to a forest to have like a forest school, we had to always think that, you know, how are we going to pick them up? How are we going to drop them off? Which means we have to pick up the asylum seeking children first, but then drop off the other kids first. You know, like yeah. it's, it's, it's not, I don't want to say funny, but it's interesting how that's something that you have to think about, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and there's so yeah. much um, sort of stigma or it's like a taboo kind of yeah. thing. Um, and it's nice yeah. to be able to sit down and actually, yeah. you know, talk about these things because uh, I think it's a subject that, you know, a lot of people are aware, but maybe not just, you know, that educated mm -hmm. on, you know, speaking personally, yeah. but also, you know, from some of the questions mm -hmm. that are coming up as well, the interest is kind of there to learn more about it. So yeah. thanks for kind of coming yeah, as no well. Problem, yeah. um, See, a lot of kids living in direct vision centers, like a lot of them are born in Ireland as well. You know, you're born in Ireland, but you're not given citizenship anymore. Uh, so like there's some kids, you know, born here, living here nine years and haven't been given citizenship. There was a... Uh, the kid, I can't remember where in the country, but he was nine. His mother was, I think, Chinese or f I think from China, but he was born in Ireland. But uh, since 2004, if your parents aren't citizens, you don't get citizenship when you're born here. And then they got a deportation letter, but he's not a citizen of China. So, like, you know, you have a stateless child then, and you're telling the child, oh, you're born here, you're the same as everyone else in your class, but no, you, you have to leave. I know that didn't end up going through eventually, like, but the, the fact that the child still had to go through that, you know. Because I'd say he'd have trouble with even getting rights in back in Oh, China yeah, like that would be, yeah, I think, cause it's, I think it, like, I'm not sure with China. Yeah, like, fair, but I can imagine if, if you left you're and then you're being told to go back and you're stateless, yeah, like, 
yeah. especially if you've left, like you're telling, I think that's the, that's the tough part. I know there, you know, resources and money and all this mm -hmm. comes in, but I think that's the tough part, you know, telling someone to go back from a country they've fled. Not, yeah. not like, because I'm an immigrant, I'm an yeah. economic immigrant, yeah. I guess. Well, not by choice, but you yeah, know, my parents. Yeah. But, my uh, parents are the fair. So my refugees. say my my mom would have um, you know chose to come here, but yeah. we were coming from Poland, yeah. which was you know safe. Yeah. So it wasn't that we fled, but yeah. you know telling people to go back yeah. to a country they fled, I, you know you, you take away all the money and all that, mm. just as a as a thing in itself. It's kind of rough. I, yeah. I don't know. How long ago? When did you move here? Uh, Twelve years ago. Twelve years actually, ago. Because yeah. around that time, like. Mid two thousands, yeah. it was a it was a pol it was always a Polish thing, wasn't so it? Much. Yeah, it was like so oh, like, that was a huge thing, and it was uh, so normalized. Yeah, it was so normal. Like, oh, like we would have been children, and that would have been just a little, a little joke. I know as kids we wouldn't have taken it seriously, but those little jokes you say as kids, some people then eventually do take them. Fair. You know, like and uh, so like no, that would have been. Yeah. I know, like my parents came, a the refugees. They came from Albania. Uh, they both actually came separately and met in Ireland, but um. So and like they would have came in 1991, and it would have oh. been a, like that would have been a completely new thing. Really, that would have been a yeah. Seen, uh, so that's something like very proud of. Because it did done, really yeah. only start. Kind yeah, of so it would have been a really. It would have been like, you you would spot yeah the, the immigrants in the town like that really. Because I think there was like there was like this movement. You know, the Celtic Tiger was started to happen 2005 mm -hmm. to 2008, but then as soon as like. It, it sort of was like this thing, especially for Polish people, just coming mm -hmm. from my own background, it was so normalized that it was just, you know, parents would be saying like, well, you got to finish school and, you know, go abroad, mm -hmm. like to work, because yeah. you could be earning, you know, in a week's time, you could be earning something that you'd be earning there in a month's time. You know, the numbers just wouldn't add up for you to, it just yeah. wouldn't make sense almost to stay. So it was so normalized. Yeah, it was just like, yeah, you finish school and you go off, yeah. even like summer jobs and things like that. Yeah, that was always normal. No, yeah, no, no, a lot of, big thing. lot of Polish friends when I was growing up. In yeah. In my school, <laughs> no, even in my school, I think there was a couple. Yeah, again, my school was very. It was just yeah. literally all different types of people. So yeah. Um, what about like, like what can we do, sort of, as students, like not yeah. as people in power as such, yeah. but as students, like just myself. I'm a student. Yeah. What, what sort of there for me? You know, how can I get involved? How can I help? Or I think. See, one thing now that um, so there's going to be a general election probably May, m April, around, by yeah. then anyways, there will be a general election. So the next few months, like, TDs are going to be coming around, or people running the elections are going to be coming around, uh, knocking on doors. Uh, so, you know, if you come in contact, like, if you're contacted by a TD or someone who's running for the, during the elections, question them on it, ask them what are they going to do. Because when they find out that, a people, that people care about this issue, you know, at the end of the day, they want as many votes as they can. So if they're like, oh, there's a huge portion of people who really, really care about this. If I put this is like towards the top of my agenda, you know, I'd be able to get those votes. So like, you know, like with the letter writing to TDs, TDs are going to be getting these letters. Uh, they're going to say, okay, students, you know, especially students, like, because students they start off at like 18. But usually by the time you hit 20, people are finally registered to vote. Because I have friends who like haven't didn't register to vote once they turned 18. They kind of you know, so 18 and 20, all them like huge groups of students, which is a huge portion vote in some areas like in Galway and in Dublin and in Cork uh, if you push your TDs towards that and push people who are running in these elections and tell them that this is something that we, like we want taken seriously uh, I, I'd love for direct provision to be one of the top issues coming into the general elections like there's also like yeah you could organize like you know you could um, 
volunteering organisations as well. There's plenty around town. I know there's Garen, Galway Anti-Racist Network. They do lots of stuff as well. They organised a rally. Uh, we did like a rally from Air Square to Salt Hill, uh, from both the right, one recreation centre to the next. I remember oh, they had a few politicians then coming in talking. The mayor had a mayor give a few words. He compared oh, yeah. compared direct revision to Magdalene Laundries. Uh, wow. So that was that was great to see. like the mayor, it's always great when you see a politician using his using his platform to, you know. Yeah, well that's great, and it's yeah. nice to see that. Yeah, that that probably worked, raised a lot of awareness. Yeah. yeah. Um, to sort of switch gears a little bit and tackle it, you know, critically from all sides. So I want to want to sort of get on the 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 main um, response I get when you, the main thing I've heard against sort of, not, not against refugees, but taking people into the country. So um, basically the, the question is, should, should we sort of open doors to everyone and sort of like, wh what, what do you think? Have you ever thought about like the, the limitations or sort of like what's a healthy number or like, you know, sort of like. Yeah, I know what you mean. Isn't you like, like yeah, yeah, I know, because like, look, Ireland's a small enough country, but at one point we had, I think, eight, over 8 million people in the country at one point. Yeah. Um, you know, there's lots and lots of space around. I'm not saying, like, oh, let's just build towns everywhere for, like, you know, but, um, you know, you need to start, like, if, if thing, once things stop fixating off Dublin, and instead of building around Dublin, and things, know. you know, if there's so much space in, like, the West and stuff like that, if you actually try to modernise these kind of areas, you'd be able to house more people. Um, again, like, there's only gonna like with global warming. There's only gonna be like the number of the refugees coming worldwide is gonna go like well through the roof, like because of global warming. Like there are little areas that are feeling the effects really badly. Um, so like, it's not you know it's a problem that you actually have to work towards a solution rather than trying to sweep it under the rug, which mm. seems to be like the government stance at the moment trying because you know I went to school like in secondary school I never really ever heard of things like direct provision like you know because and that's for a reason like they don't they sweep these issues under the rug to trip to make the average person not come across it what I'm trying to make sense of as well is that like we let in I think an unlimited amount of economic immigrants I, I would assume like there is no like I, I would assume there is no limit yeah. is there I'm actually you know I'm not sure yeah on economic immigrants but like just like ourselves or our families yeah. or you know things like that people come in but there seems to be um, people that want to come to the country for money there is no like taboo or stigma around that yeah that's fine but people that want to come here for safety I, I don't really understand why I know it, and it's a weird one um, economic immigrants because um, you know Peter Casey no. he ran in the he ran for president he's okay. just this old man who's just cranky and racist <laughs> yeah. whatever he ran, uh, he ran for the president, you know, Michael Higgins won that straight through. He ran for the European elections for, he would have been on our voting ballot here for okay. the Midlands Northwest. Uh, he didn't make that either, but uh, like, he is a big thing of complaining about immigrants and saying that we have a problem, we need to stop taking in numbers. But he is actually an economic immigrant himself to, uh, I'm not sure, US, Australia, Canada. Fair so yeah, fair so he's an economic immigrant himself. And like, it's mad how they can't see the irony that like, He'll go to another country and call himself an economic immigrant, but then he'll have huge problems with mm. people coming to, to, you know, he doesn't even pay taxes here in Ireland, uh, I've been told, <laughs> I've heard, uh, just from the elections, I followed the elections quite well, and, uh, 
Yeah, I don't. It know. is a troubling thing to kind of. Uh, yeah. There is a bit of irony in it, you know, telling people to not come to your country, especially when you've yeah. come to that country. It's a very no. strange one. I don't know. I mean, especially like I always find that in like do you know like the Republicans in America, like half the Republicans are are, are at like Irish generations right. of Irish, like uh, Mike Pence. Uh, what was it Brett Kavanaugh? There's a lot of people. They're all Irish and they're in Trump's Republican setup, and they're all anti-immigrants. And they're all literally like Mike Pence came over to Ireland. He came to uh, came to Ireland not too long ago, and like proud of his Irish roots. But mm. then he'll have a stance in America. Oh, you're not allowed to set up roots here. Mm. So yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a really strange one. I don't know how pe people don't seem to see the irony behind some of their views. Yeah, it's tough because like I understand like the the idea of like you know capitalism and you know making money and pushing everything about mm -hmm. you know money and power and all this and that you know focusing your resource on refugees you know isn't like helping kind of the economy grow or something yeah. but you know, like if you were to because like immigrants migration is known like economically to be one of the one of the best things that can happen for an economy because they're always, these are always really hard-working people and there's so much way there's so much knowledge and skills going to waste in these direct, direct provision centers like you have nurses in I these centers that. there's yeah. who's an astrophysicist in one center i was yeah. told the other day like these are like very uh like the speaker we had in last week uh he lives in the center here in galway he's an he was an accountant like these are great skills and then they come here and years and years go by and then you know like if you're going if you go five years without practicing law or being a doctor you can't just be like oh boom back in like like my dad was a maths teacher when he was in Albania, uh, came here, and then direct vision wasn't a thing back uh, uh, when he came, so it was easier for him and my mom. But he came, yeah, he was a maths teacher, and by the time he learned English, then he kind of forgot maths. So, uh, so like there's lots of skills and put to waste, but if the right resources were in place to nur nurture these skills, like it'll only be a benefit to the economy. That's my, <laughs> my view anyways yeah, on that, yeah. 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 No, I, and I've heard that they need to get reskilled sometimes. They have mm. to go back to education because they've been out of doing their job for so long mm -hmm. that they've actually need to yeah. get re-educated again. Mm -hmm. But do you think, like, um, should there be a focus on getting your... Uh, sorry, you can correct me if I'm wrong now, mm. but is it the refugee status that you need to get or is it the asylum-seeking status to work? No, so you're an asylum-seeker when once you come to the country and once you uh, put your claim in for asylum you're an asylum seeker and you're looking to get either refugee status or subsidiary protection um, subsidiary so refugee status is like when you're in fear and there's like a there's like race like there's race uh, member of a particular particular social group which would be like uh, if you're LGBTQ or something uh, religion so yeah something like that. and then and then subsidiary protection would be the things that are kind of outside that. But um, yeah, so then while that's going on, you can get, you can ask about work. So right. yeah, so w when can you start working? Yeah. So I think, I think it's nine months after you've been here. I could be wrong now with right. this. I think it's nine months after you come, you can start getting six month work permits. Because uh, in 2007, before 2017, there was a blanket ban on asylum seekers' right to work. But then that was deemed unconstitutional in uh, this case. I can't remember the name of the case. But then since then, so at the time, Ireland, I think, were one, maybe the only or one of two countries in the EU who had a ban on asylum seekers working. Mm. Which again, I don't know, I think like that ban was kind of almost there to make it seem like these are like useless people who aren't even working right. or trying to 
you know, build that stigma but towards them. It's kind of counterproductive because those people are ready to work. Yeah, they they, they they like that's all they want to yeah. do. Like, you know, no one wants to be sat inside a hotel room, not able to cook for yourself, and just sitting there, like waiting until you can sleep. Like, because th th these claims go on for like the the process goes on for way too long. Like, and that's mm. like that's the main problem I find with direct provision, is that like you know. It was originally, I think, meant to be just a six-month kind of thing. You're in there for six months. And, you know, you, you'll put up with six months, like, you know, you're fleeing uh, war or whatever. You, you don't mind six months, even up to a year. Like, you know, you can put yourself through that when you know. If you know at the end of this time, you can get on with your life. Right. But now people are coming in like, oh, no idea how many years they could be here. No idea if after four years will they be given a deportation letter. So, like, you know, it's so hard to get on with your life. But under work permit, anyway, sorry, because I go got ahead. sidetracked a bit. No, go ahead. So you can get a six-month work permit, but it has to be renewed every six months. So you can kind of see the difficulties where if I, if you go into a place of work, and they're like, if you got a work permit, and it's not really, it's not really the most official-looking letter either. It's kind of like a piece of paper. And you hand that to them, and you say, yeah, in six months' time, I have to, like, you know, if you're an employer, you want to plan for the future, yeah. and you don't know if the person's going to get their permit in six months' time, would you train them in just I to know. have them leave? That puts a huge limit on the type huge, of jobs they can get. Huge limit. Even in the even in the you know minimum wage jobs, even in that, because yeah. you need to get trained for certain things that will take like a month or two to get just exactly. get used to work, and then you only have four months of left exactly. of work, and then that you can and, be uh, gone. I think they're not allowed to get driver's licenses. Right. Most direct provision centres are, are located in rural areas, um, you know, like uh, Luton, Varna, and in Clare, rural area, Mosny. Like these are. If you want to travel to get somewhere, you're gonna to have to take a bus. These buses, you know, a the bus transport is transport costs. Yeah, the transport is very poor. <laughs> I think there's a woman in Mosny who got a job in Dublin, and to get to Dublin, she had to walk for an hour to get, or like 40 minutes to an hour to get to a, a bus station or a bus stop, and then be on the bus then for another hour or hour and a half or something like that. And like she's on 38 euro a week in off, off the direct provision at the moment, which is that only just went up not too long ago and you know that's a return bus to Dublin y minimum 20 hour from most places you know mm. so True. yeah um, I have two more questions from the listeners to go through Pardon? but um so one of them is um, should there be more awareness in the media about it and maybe I'm, I'm sure you probably say yes but then maybe to go further like what kind of awareness what would you want to get you know shown in the media it's I guess like the worst way I think the media go about it is they'll have they'll have somebody who um, who's you know speaking on the let's say putting on rights for asylum seekers and just talking about the conditions that are there and what we can do, but like they also get somebody then from the completely far side of the other other side of the spectrum, and they'll have this like racist person in you know like RT prime RT drive time had Justin Barrett in. I don't know if you know who Justin Barrett is. He's the leader of the Irish National Party. Okay. They they held a banner up at Air Square that said Ireland belongs to the Irish. Right. Like so, that's the kind Quite of person he is. Yeah. He's literally a Nazi. And uh, so, when you have somebody like that in, it just completely delegitimizes the actual concerns about like you know because if I'm because then it makes if you're coming out with the really really strong f far right racist views right. and I'm just giving like you know a normal side of it, you're either making me look like I'm the completely extreme side of my side. So it either delegitimizes me, or else it legitimizes then the the racist Nazi kind of views. Um, so yeah, no, the 
Irish media do mm. a, a horrible job of it. But there, like, there are some very some people who properly tackle these issues very well. In uh, if you read on the Irish Times, I know there's a woman. She was in. She did a talk last year. She was part of a panel discussion. Sorka Pollock. She covers like immigration stuff for, for the Irish Times. Like, so there are people like that who cover the issues very well. But then when you when you get to TV time, like they always just have this. They always feel like they need to get someone from really far. They're like the oh. wrong side of the other view, and it's make it entertaining. Yeah, literally, that's like what they want. Like they want people to post about it. They want videos posted up on Twitter saying, "Oh my God, did you see this?" Yeah. We're in like a phase at the moment of like uh, debates, aren't we? Like that, it's mm -hmm. fairly popular, like of saying like, "Oh, such and such person destroyed such and such yeah. person." It's very like it doesn't really focus on discussion which is kind yeah. of what I wanted to do here Th which is I could have like a completely opposite viewpoint to you but we can sit down and instead of only having a minute each to go at each other we have a half hour yeah. to just talk you know and it's yeah, kind of exactly. like I can learn more because like I even had a I had a guest who was talking about uh, lowering the voting age which I at first was kind of against mm -hmm. and then got to talk about it got to learn all the viewpoints got to you know challenge him a little bit mm -hmm. with some of my views and then at the end of it, I came out, you know, having more knowledge, and I'd be a lot more open to his idea. Like, and you yeah, know, it's, I know, that's it's it, and that's just one example. But on TV, you just have a minute, you know, and yeah. it's just it's just let's go out with the most radical Who thing. Can, I can, yeah. yeah, how <laughs> how like what kind of cheap shot can I get at my yeah, opponent here? Yeah, yeah. Like that's the one thing you always find with politics these days. Like, I, I I'm quite interested in watching politics and debates and in the Arctic and stuff and. Mm. Like you're finding now, any time any of the party leaders like Leo Varadkar, Mio Martin, whenever they have a chance to talk, they're not really. They're more like trying to aim a little cheap shot at each other, as if like, oh, they're doing this wrong, they're doing this wrong, as if like it's always we're against you and we're against you and we're against you. But like in reality, like they like they're meant to be our government working for us, so they're all meant to be like there should be one shared view or like sh one shared interest, and that's. Irish, you know, Ireland as a country prospering, but they're like so like they'll not do something which would benefit people just out of just like just to make sure like you know they'll if one party tries to push through a um, uh, motion or something mm. they'll reject it just because they don't want that party getting the benefit for that like as in like it's so childish sometimes like wars. like oh if you follow Brexit as well like the I'd say so. <laughs> It's just literally like people not working together. It's just people. I need to look like I did better than him. Right. Yeah. What <laughs> I find as well, I follow the American politics for entertainment. Yeah. And which, which is, I, in my opinion, I think it's fine because I'm in Ireland. It obviously it does affect me, but yeah. not too much. But imagine like looking at it that way. If you're in that, like, I don't really follow the Irish politics. But yeah, if no, I was fair. and found them like funny and kind of entertaining, but like they, you know, they affect our lives. Mm, like, yeah, so yeah. it's interesting because I like I'd look at it just as like yeah. I, I like I find it interesting. I find it quite yeah. engaging. Like, because it is quite American politics are quite you know radical. I know, yeah, I do. Loud. Like, it's always fun to see what's going course, on on Twitter. Of course, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, one person is curious to see. It's just the last thing I have. Mm -hmm. And how? No, who uh, do you think should run? Um, direct provision or who should run this kind of or uh, so I, th I think direct provision like I think direct provision as a system should be abolished okay. I think a, a much better system or much better like something better can can definitely be put in place like people can be like you know again 
if there's a if the government focused on building social housing, like people will be able to get housed, there can be uh, different like programs set up to help people coming in from countries to resettle straight into society. Because like if you're segregating people straight away from society, and then like you know if people are from the area where there's a direct provision centre, kids will be like you know kids will grow up or teenagers will be like oh that's that's them. We're here in society, and that's them. Um, Say. So I don't know if you're Massey, uh, they're like the Movement of Asylum Seekers Ireland, That's a, they're a group uh, run by asylum seekers. Okay. They, they recently made submissions to the Oireachtas on these kind of issues and they, uh, like they, they, they do the kind of work in terms of looking at the reform and looking at the alternatives and stuff like that. Um, to be honest, there's not, there's not really much we can do from a student point of view right. uh, in terms of like what can be there instead. I think what we try to focus on mainly is making sure that the people who are here are being treated fairly and are, are be treating, being treated humanely and uh, yeah, just kind of let people know that this is here because in like 50 years time when people are looking back on these and saying Jesus Christ how did we let this happen like nobody's allowed to say that they didn't know because every like that's what we want to make sure nobody can say it. like with the Magdalene laundry is people there's a lot of people getting away with saying, oh, we didn't know about this, we didn't know about this. Like, with direct provision centers, like, people know. Like, people can't claim ignorance to say that we didn't know that this was here. And I think it'll be, it's a huge stain on society. Mm. And um, I really like your point of uh, how they're basically, seg like, they're segregated right from the get-go, like, mm. when they come here. And, uh, you know, maybe that would be okay-ish if it would only last the six months, mm -hmm. but a lot of the times it isn't, and they're segregated mm -hmm. for a long time, then Years, people get yeah. used to calling them the others and we are this, you know. Yeah, I, I get yeah. what you're saying. That's a very fair point, I mm -hmm. think. They're segregated right from the start. Yeah. And then they kept, they, you know, they're segregated yeah. continuously. And, like, and it's just, like, even if you don't notice it, it just creeps into people's thoughts, yeah. like, you know, you kind of, like, because, you know, you it would always be in the back of your mind thinking like, oh, that's a, like that, that's a group, that's that group, and that, we're this group, kind of like, it's in like, we are the town, and they're just here. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, that they're fair points, man. Yeah. Is there anything you want to bring up at the end? Any messages, or do you want to talk about your group mm -hmm. friends? And to be honest, we just had a, we just had a big enough six weeks there, uh, <laughs> got a lot done. Okay. So this week we were taking like a week off, and then there are a few things we were looking to do. Uh, we're going. We're going to be doing a society trip to Calais in France. Oh. Um, I'm not sure if you know Calais. So that's used to be known as the Calais Jungle. Like used to be like huge, huge numbers of migrants who were looking to get to UK, Ireland, and because it's very north of France, um, they're like they're all they're, they're sleeping in like tents and stuff like that. They have no guards. Like every night there's CRS. Basi basically every night they come and they raid, the they raid all their, it's just like scattered tents in these huge areas and the guards will come and rip off the tents because they don't want them to be there. Right. I, could explain, I could go on about this for ages, but, yeah. no, but you can look into the Cali and you're going to go We're going to go because a couple of us went outside the society last okay. year and volunteered there, we, so we'd be helping with meals and clothes and stuff like that because there's huge warehouses that work from there. Oh, so you would be working directly be working with yeah, that area? Because um, oh, it's actually, because last Christmas when we were there, I think like 10 of us from Ennis went, just friends from school, mm -hmm. and uh, Christmas time they're very short on volunteers because the long-term volunteers go home for Christmas, and okay. then people, it's so cold, people are, it's hard to get it around there around Christmas time, so it's 3rd of January is when we, because I know that they would need volunteers. Oh, that's um, when you're going to go? That's when we're going to go, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I don't know, another thing we're going to be doing, we're going to be setting up a GoFundMe, something we did last year, 
where uh, we did this festive swim. So around like end of November, we went for a swim down oh. the Salt Hill, all right. and all the money we raise, we buy presents for kids living in direct provision centres. Mm. I think we raised one thousand two hundred euro last year after GoFundMe, nice. which I actually couldn't believe. I remember set it up for like a five hundred euro goal. I know. And, and, and it's just like Jesus Christ. Yeah, you're like people are so nice sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And that was probably yeah. nice to you know make them feel part of like a you know the community and yeah, a because nice like, gesture and like yeah, like you know again. I think last year they were only on twenty one fifty a week, mother right. or par parents or adults. So you know you can't get your kids presents, and then like they'll be going to go to school, they'll go back to school in January. It's like, what did you get for Christmas? Yeah. And like, I don't know, like yeah, like yeah, I, I don't think that people do that kind of every year with them. But like it would just be, it would be horrible for again something for them to have to hide over mm. Christmas time. Like oh yeah, like like oh look, I got this hundred euro jersey. Oh, I got these shoes here, and then they have to, you know, you just. I want to make them feel hmm. as, you know, the same as every other kid, hmm. which all kids should feel. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I get you. Thank you so much no for problem. coming on. It was, it was really good no, to talk to you. No, it was great, it was great. Cool. Lovely. <laughs> Thank you.